source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 58. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us... This is Nick. This is Savannah. And we are bringing the latest uh, movie, TV, merchandise, and video game news from the past month, or for the month of September. Uh, our spotlight character, characters, I should say, will be Tweedledum and Tweedledee. And for our feature, we will be discussing... Our thoughts of Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, which recently came out and hopefully you had a chance to, to see it. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's uh, start off with movie news. The very first thing we have is a number of different things that came out as far as uh, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, which we'll just hint on them because it's at this point it's irrelevant because the game, the movie's out, but uh, we'll mention them. Uh, September 1st, the Superman, Batman, Apocalypse was announced that it would have a premiere in both L.A. and New York, which uh, already occurred. Uh, September 19th, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse released a bunch of new clips and images. Uh, and then we get to some interesting news. September 19th, uh, Batman 3 news coming as early as uh, next week. Uh, now, this was a while ago, obviously, but uh, Heat Vision released some information that Warner Brothers could be releasing their plans for the DC Comics properties within a month. The details are that within a week, an organizational announcement will be made, followed by a detailed spreadsheet showing exactly how all the DC superheroes will be introduced to the public. The main point is that within a month, Warner Brothers will publicly announce their plans for the future of the DC properties, and not only feature films, but a wide variety of platforms. And then, obviously, could this mean that a Batman 3 announcement is on its way? So, uh, the reality of this uh, news story was that there was absolutely no news the following week. Um, the organizational announcement that they mentioned was that all of DC Comics entities except for the comic book part of the company will be moving to Burbank, California and be on the Warner Brothers property. Uh, the DC Comics publishing company will continue to stay in New York City um, but the whole idea is to get everything DC Entertainment-wise into the same area. Um, that was That's the big news. There, as far as what they said regarding any of the properties, they said uh, late this year, early next year, we'll be hearing something. But as of right now, they don't have anything to report. Now, there has been a number of different things that have come through. Um, specifically, we've heard some news recently about... Uh, Zack Snyder being announced as the director for the next Superman movie. We know that uh, 
there's a Wonder Woman TV show that's being that's in the pre-production phase. So there are things that are happening. It's just they're not announcing anything officially yet. I've been a bit disappointed with uh, DC Entertainment um, because I think it was about the start of this year that we thought they were going to be announcing their plans for the future, um, what their plans were to take these properties forward, and nothing has come out at all. Um, and certainly nothing to do with Batman 3 either. Um, and since then, not a lot has happened. And then this news came out that something new was coming, the announcements were coming. Again, certainly nothing really official, and we've heard bits and bobs from all over the place about Chris Nolan being involved with Superman and um, Chris Nolan is perhaps working on the script for Batman 3 and I think that uh, DC Entertainment must be coming under a bit of pressure just because Marvel seems to be doing a fairly good job of planning the future and letting the fans know what direction they're heading in and that's the biggest thing that concerns me the most about DC Entertainment is I don't know what direction we're going in um you know, we've got Batman 3 coming. That's about the only thing I feel is a, a safe bet. Um, obviously, we've got Green Lantern coming. We don't know really how that's going to turn out. Superman film coming. Who knows what that's going to be like. And every other property, there doesn't seem to be much going on. So I just wish they would let us know as to where we're going in the future. That's that's what I'd like to hear from DC Entertainment. And I've been disappointed that I haven't heard anything so far. It is sort of strange that we only seem to get news uh, a year or so in advance when uh, movie productions take a lot longer than that. It Their policy of keeping everything so much under wraps seems to be sort of turning around on them and making people more angry than excited about anything. Um, so, And it kind of makes you wonder why they can't just have a plan, I guess. So I wish they would tell us more. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, DC Entertainment as an entity has existed for just over a year now. It was just last September that they created this entity. Now, the thing is, within the last year, what have we gotten from DC Entertainment? Nothing. Because, one, everything that's been, that's either being worked on right now as far as the Green Lantern... Um, as far as uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, the sec- or Batman Arkham City, um, as far as uh, Batman Brave and the Bold, the video game, Batman Brave and the Bold, the series, Young Justice, all these things have been they've been working on prior to DC Entertainment being created. And and you and could then, say that Batman Three has got the same people involved, so there's right. no- nothing new there either. Exactly, and then so I mean. They haven't announced anything new. I mean, they've said that uh, based on what they've done for Green Lantern, they want to make another Green Lantern movie. Uh, The DC animated films continue to get made, but that's just because they have been being made. So, I mean, what have they done differently that wasn't happening in the first place? Uh, We got Jonah Hex that came out that, uh, according to most people, was not very good. Um... So, I mean, it, 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 they just haven't really done anything. And it, this all could be some giant conspiracy to hide everything, and then when they went make this big announcement, they're going to announce all kinds of things. But even Jeff Johns, who is the CCO of the company, 
he goes to Comic-Con and goes to all these different conventions and they do spotlights on him and people ask him about different things that are happening with DC Entertainment and he just goes on and on about how he can't talk about anything. Oh, well, uh, the Secret Six might be, or the Suicide Squad or the Secret Six might be working into a, uh, a video game. Maybe. It, it, like that that was probably the only bit of news that was that came out of that entire thing like he keeps saying these little things about oh Cassandra Kane might be in a uh, might be in something outside of the comics sometime soon but there's not very much that that we've been given so they need to do something soon because the thing is they're losing they're on a they're already fighting an uphill battle with Marvel with Marvel releasing you know, two movies a year, and leading up to this alt, you know, this Avengers thing. So, you would think they would try to say. I mean, they did announce at some point this year that Batman three and Superman and Green Lantern their release dates. But the reality is that a release date doesn't mean anything. I mean, they said the release date, and Chris Nolan hadn't even confirmed that he was going to be doing the film. So, what was the point of that? Yeah, and I just don't, I really don't see the harm in them saying, yeah, we are currently looking at options to do a Flash movie or or a Green Arrow film or or a TV show involving, you know, a certain hero. I don't see the problem with them saying, we're working on that. We're trying to get some people involved, you know, such and such. And I, I, yeah, I really don't understand this really secretive, uh, secretive style that they have at the moment. And, at the end of the day, it just makes you worry, is anything happening? And maybe that's why they're keeping everything close to the chest, because there's really not much going on there. And with all those great characters, it's really disappointing. But at least for us, we know that Batman 3 is a certain thing that's happening. Um, it's just a shame that everything else is up in the air. All right, so that being said, let's uh, get into some of the other stuff we had. Uh, September... 17th, we had an interview with Kevin Conroy that was sent over for Superman Batman Apocalypse. Uh, we had some more images and a new clip on September 20th, another new clip on September 21st, uh, an interview with Tim Daly on September 27th, uh, another cl- a bunch of clips and another image uh, from September 27th as well. And then finally, the last bit of news that we had about Superman Batman Apocalypse was a interview with the actress who plays Supergirl, Summer Glau, uh, which was on September 28th. And then we get into the last bit of movie news, uh, September 29th. Two things uh, to mention about Batman 3. The first is an interview that was done with Michael Caine. Uh, as we know, Michael Caine has always seemed to say things even when he doesn't know what he is saying for sure. Uh, BBC Radio did an interview with him and asked him about Batman 3. He replied that he believes it will start filming in May of 2011. He also mentioned that the only ones who know who the villain will be is Jonathan and Chris Nolan. Uh, And then speaking of Chris Nolan, over at Empire Online, Chris Nolan confirmed that he will in fact be helming Batman 3. Uh, He said, It's becoming inevitable. I'll put it that way. I feel myself falling into it, I guess, and getting it all figured out, and I'm pretty excited about what we're doing, so if I haven't announced it, I think that people probably all know at this point that I'm doing it. Because it was a coy answer, the reporter asked him flat out whether or not we can assume that he is directing it, to which he replied, I think you can at this point, yes. 
So, with the announcement from Warner Brothers probably coming before the end of the year on this, uh, obviously there will be more news as we go further into the future. I've never really understood what, again, the secrecy with DC. Um, I mean, it was all it was pretty certain that Chris Nolan was going to come back after the success of The Dark Knight, that I think Warner Brothers were going to offer him whatever he wanted. And you might be able to argue that Inception was what he wanted, and now he's gone away done his own project and now he's going to come back and uh finish off his his batman story and um i think we were all pretty confident he'd be coming back and um it's just been very it's been a very odd uh situation for about a year now of everyone just wondering what he's going to do and him not being clear as to his future and but i'm obviously ecstatic he's coming back he's a fantastic director he's done a fantastic job with the franchise and even though it sounds like it's going to be his final one from what we've heard in the past, um, I'm just very happy he's coming back. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to Batman 3, but just bear in mind, it is quite a while away. And regarding Michael Caine, sorry, Michael, I just don't really pay attention to what you say anymore after the last year or two of all the things you've come out with. Yeah, the big news is that Chris Nolan actually saying something semi-definitive. I mean... He's still saying things in a sort of roundabout way, which is just very strange. I guess he doesn't want to get in trouble. I mean, I hope that's what it is, and not that he's still reluctant to be on the project or something like that. But, I mean, it's sort of a yes, so that's exciting. (laughs) Needless to say, we can expect some more news in the coming months about this um it's only a matter of time before they announce the title and say who the villains are going to be. And if filming does start sometime uh, early next year, it's only a matter of time before they say something about what's going to happen. And probably what's occurring is they're just perfecting the script to make sure that it's a, a good story that can possibly outdo The Dark Knight. I think that's his. I think that's Chris Nolan's biggest worry is... And and I'm pretty worried as well for him. As much faith as I have in him, it's just the case of The Dark Knight was pretty fantastic. And a lot of people consider it to be the best superhero film of all time. How do you top that? And those third films in trilogies are always tricky. So at least I think having this as an ending will help that slightly. But um, yeah, I, I th- I'm just very happy he's coming back. And I hope he can top it. But I just I really hope he doesn't go out you know, with a, a low note with a, a film that everyone goes, oh, well, wasn't as good as the previous two. So, I, But Chris Nolan and I have faith in him, um, so I'm pretty sure it'll be fine, and it'll be great. And I can't wait for 2012. I kind of wonder um, if they're tr- going to try to do something. Um, I mean, we assume that they're going to announce the villains pretty soon, but I wonder if they're going to do something like the viral marketing where they're going to keep a lot of things under wraps and reveal things a lot slower and, um, you know, in a different way. I don't know if that makes sense, but it seems like, I don't know, maybe they're just being weird and coy for no reason, but um, I don't know. See, I would have to, I'd say that, yeah, they probably will try the route of the viral marketing again because that was very successful, and it really gave another element to the movie that I don't think any other movie's ever achieved. 
But besides that, the coyness of not announcing who the villains are and stuff like that, I don't, I don't really think that's the same type of thing. The reason being is like when they first said Dark Knight was going to happen, they announced the title, and uh, Heath Ledger was going to be playing the Joker, and they announced you know the main cast who was going to be on. They announced all that a year before the viral marketing started. Well, that's they true. Started. They started doing the viral marketing when they already had some of the stuff filmed. And the viral marketing actually like picked up just about a year before the film was set to come out, which would be next next July. So I don't I think the coyness is a little bit more than just the idea of having the viral marketing play some of it out for us. And I think the viral marketing guys are praying that one of the villains is the Riddler. There's a lot they could do. I think there's a lot they could do with that. This guy's methodical, exacting, and worst of all, patient. My, my. Can we actually have a brain beneath that pointy cow of ours? So tell me, have you brawn to match? Alright, so that's all the movie news. Let's move into TV news. Uh, the first thing we've got is on September 8th, Warner Brothers announced that uh, Batman Braving the Bold will be coming back on the air on September 17th, which, with the first episode of Siege of Starro, uh, which was a two-part series, and the second episode aired the following week, September 24th. Um, the other thing that we've got for TV news is we found out that uh, in an upcoming episode of Batman Brave and the Bold, uh, Comics Continuum posted up some news saying that Scooby-Doo will appear as a guest star in Batman Brave and the Bold. Uh, the episode will be entitled Batmite Presents Batman's Strangest Cases. The episode will feature three different incarnations of Batman. One of these will have Scooby-Doo and a guest star appear similar to the way the original Scooby-Doo cartoon was. The episode will be written by Paul Dini and be directed by Ben Jones. Obviously, as of right now, there's no word on when this is going to air. I think this is a very interesting idea, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dustin, but Batman and Scooby-Doo have been on screen together before, haven't they? Yes, they have been on screen, I believe, twice before, both on the Scooby-Doo cartoon. Yeah. Where so. the original Batman and Robin uh, teamed up with with Scooby-Doo. This was probably back in the 70s during the heyday of Scooby-Doo. Well, I want to see a drag race between the Mystery Machine and the Batmobile and see how that goes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it sounds really interesting. Um I haven't seen the Siege of Starro episode, but um, I'm looking forward to getting back into The Brave and the Bold since it's been away for a while, and I'm glad it's back. And now we know it's ending. It uh, feels a little bit different when I'm watching the episodes, but um, looking forward to seeing Siege of Starro. Yeah, and we have another um, Paul Dini-written episode with, I think, um, Batmite was one of the ones that... um, one of the team-ups that we particularly liked from one of the first seasons. So, that's exciting news. And, I mean, Scooby-Doo and Batman back together. It's kind of fun. Exactly. Now, we do know that there will be a bunch of new episodes that will air in October, but as of right now, Warner Brothers has not officially announced any of the dates. So, just 
make sure you're watching the site for updates on that. Greetings, dynamic duo. I'm your biggest fan. What is it? So moving into merchandise news, only a couple things to report. Uh, the very first thing that we have is on September 15th, Toy News International announced that Kotobukiya will be releasing a uh, DC Exposito collection Catwoman. Um, we knew that there was a Batgirl one that was announced prior to this, but there will in fact be a Catwoman one that will be coming out next March. You can find out all the details on the website. And the only other thing we have is on September 19th, Toy News International found out that the DC Universe Classics line uh, will have a Nightwing variant, which was revealed by an eBay seller of all people, and it will be Nightwing in his Renegade costume. Uh, you can check out a picture on that of that under Merchandise News, DCUC Nightwing variant. It's an interesting look for Nightwing. I've actually read... Uh, the the series recently where he he wears this suit and um, looks pretty cool. Looks like a mean Nightwing. All right. So then that's all merchandise news. Moving into. Video game news, only a couple of different things to go over. Uh, The first thing we have is on September 1st, uh, Batman Arkham City got a ton of screenshots that were released. Um, They hit the net through a bunch of uh, different sites. We compiled them all, and you can see the pictures of them on the website. But nothing really, like, revealing except for Harley Quinn is no longer in the nurse's outfit... Uh, we did see some pictures of Two-Face, which is very Dark Knight-like. Um, and we did see a couple new things as far as the detective mode that will be occurring as far as uh, the weapons being highlighted instead of just in general, the uh, the person in general being highlighted. There's also a couple of other new features as far as uh, different things being shown uh, that weren't being shown before in detective mode. That looks really interesting. Uh, we also know that we also got some pictures of Catwoman as well, so you can check those out on the website. Yeah, some very interesting images. Uh, really very similar to the first game. Certainly, sort of the henchmen look identical. And um, but yeah, it looks really promising and. Um, feels like a long time away for this game but Two-Face in particular looks pretty good as Dustin says does look a lot like the Dark Knight uh, imagination of the character and um, but yeah it looks really promising I'm look- very much looking forward to this game yeah I like the images um, Two-Face is great the more I see of the Catwoman the more I like the look that they chose and um, Harley looks pretty good too and the world looks like it's going to be really well designed and i'm excited for the next game all right so then the next thing we've got is on september 13th one of our new uh, site partners arkhamcity.co.uk posted up a new article about all the information that's been confirmed for the riddler um they know that the riddler is located somewhere in arkham city his goons run 
riot in the city, and it's up to you to interrogate them and find out his true location and objectives. Uh, the Riddler's maps have been removed from the game. Detective mode will reveal his thugs, take out everyone around him, and start the interrogation. And puzzles now accompany Riddler trophies. The difficulty of these puzzles increases as the game progresses. So, that's all pretty interesting stuff. Uh, the Riddler maps is the only thing that's kind of weird. Uh, doesn't I'm not a big fan of because the Riddler map was make made it a little bit easier to find this stuff. So, yeah, I'm also glad it sounds like the Riddler's going to make an appearance in the game, which um, I'm happy about because I was disappointed you didn't get to find him in Arkham Asylum. And I also really like this idea of interrogating thugs. Um, I've played some video games in the past where they have something like that. Uh, one that I can remember that was particularly good was 24, the game. And you got to interrogate people, and I th- it, was very, it was very well done. It was very interesting. It was very challenging. And um, that's something that I think they could really develop and make very interesting in the game and be just something extra that you didn't get in Arkham Asylum, which you will get in the sequel. So I'm looking forward to... Batman interrogations. I do like that they are adding kind of a whole new um, way of gameplay with the interrogation. Um, I mean, the first game was so good because you could do so many things with it, and it wasn't just a beat-em-up. It wasn't just a, I don't know, map-find-things game. It was a little bit of everything, and now they're adding something more. So it's going to be... All the more exciting for that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing some more news within the coming months. Uh, the fact that all these screenshots released around the same time from a variety of different sources means, um, you know, even though all the magazines ran their articles about Batman Arkham City, I'm sure there's still going to be a tons more news, and you can be sure to find it on the website. All right, and then the only other thing we've got for video game news is on both September 20th and September 28th, there's a bunch of screenshots that were released for DC Universe Online, including some images of Joker, Harley, Bane, and the Amusement Mile in Gotham City. So you can check those out. Harley! This place is going to blinking blue blazes. Anybody seen my socks? They snapped at me. What's going on, Rock? The place is a mess. No one's fed the hyenas, and I can't find my socks. Where's Harley? All right, so then that moves us into general news, and we only have one thing to report. Uh, September 19th, we found out that Hostess is currently holding a contest now through October 25th. In time for Halloween, Hostess is rolling out cake treats based on DC superheroes. Um, the prizes include one million dollars subscription. The prizes include one million dollars, a subscription to a DC comic series, and a copy of Superman: Batman Apocalypse. And you can find the link to the contest by going over to the website and going under General News and looking for the headline Hostess Contest. Uh, no special Batman cakes are released, despite the fact that they have uh, snowballs that are actually called glowballs in honor of Green Lantern and Flash cakes, which are basically cupcakes that are colored like the Flash. Uh, Batman just gets his character on a uh, Hostess cupcake box, 
and Superman has Hostess Twinkies. So I think uh, they kind of lost out. And I was having a discussion earlier about this with my wife and thinking, why couldn't they have made Hostess Cupcakes that were Batman or have like a bat symbol on them or something? Yeah, interesting. You would have thought that'd be one of the first heroes they pick um, out of that bunch, but maybe there was something, something a bit more complicated there. But out of those prizes, one million dollars subscription to a comic series and a copy of the film, Superman Batman film. I definitely know which prize I want. <laughs> it does seem like quite a step up from one to the other there, but yeah, it does seem like they chose the weirdest way to go about representing superheroes in snack cakes like how hard is it to put the superman symbol on something or the bap symbol on something but no we're going to call something a glow ball and say that it's green lantern but anyway yay cakes it better glow in the dark the green lantern one that would be horrifying (laughs) wouldn't want to eat it no All right, so that's all the news we've got. Let's get into our spotlight character, which, as we mentioned, will be Tweedledee and Tweedledum. On Earth 2, Deaver and Dumfrey Tweed, dressed in the style of Tweedledum and Tweedledee, characters from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and use their collective genius to orchestrate crimes throughout Gotham City. Resembling each other, they ran two simultaneous operations, which at first confounded not only the police but also Batman and Robin. While physically nowhere near a challenge to the dynamic duo, they were incredibly clever criminals and made certain each crime was carefully planned, right down to the traps to detain or disable the crime fighters. Batman deduced that the criminals were the Tweed cousins and approached the home they shared. The men were prepared, though, and the Cape Crusader nearly died as he crossed the threshold. Detective Comics number 74 from April 1943. The Tweeds were apprehended and taken to jail, only to use their smarts to escape and plague the heroes again and again, their schemes growing ever more intricate. This was in Batman number 18, August and September 1943. On Earth-1, the cousins also took to using their intelligence to commit crimes, but far less effectively. Batman considered them only a minor annoyance. This was in Batman 291 in September 1977. In a city filled with grotesque and warped villains, they could hardly measure up, and they were nearly beaten to death when Killer Croc arrived in the city in his quest to become the king of crime in Detective Comics 526 in May 1983. When Ra's al Ghul freed the criminals from Blackgate Penitentiary, the Tweeds were among the escapees. They were quickly recaptured, however, and this time committed to Arkham Asylum. There they were subjected to experiments with electrodes and old-fashioned transistors inserted into their brains. In Secret Origins, the second series, number 23, in February 1988. Given their style of dress... They were naturally drawn to their fellow inmate, the Mad Hatter. This nascent friendship came to nothing when the Tweeds escaped Arkham alongside the Joker in World's Finest 1 through 3, 1990. Freedom again proved short lived as the pair was returned to the asylum. While incarcerated, they made a deal with the outcast demon Astaroth 
allying with him in the hope of all three becoming powerful and rich. This was in The Demon, the second series, number 31-33, January to March 1993. When their plans failed, the Tweeds sold out as Astroth to hitman Tommy Monaghan. They then crossed paths with the Creeper, which led to their return to Arkham. The pair escaped in the wake of the earthquake that damaged the facility in Batman Shadow of the Bat, number 80-82, through 82, December 1998 to February 1999. The Tweeds ran from Gotham, and their subsequent exploits remain unrecorded. And as far as media appearances, Tweedledum and Tweedledee both made appearances in the Batman Superman Hour as villains, and more recently, Tweedledum and Tweedledee appeared in Batman the Brave and the Bold episodes Night of the Huntress and Legends of the Dark Might, in which they demonstrate a coordinated fighting style working with each other as when they bounce off each other and the prison walls to knock out a guard. In Night of the Huntress, they are shown as members of Babyface's gang. In Legends of the Dark Might, they appear in Batmite's fantasies along the other Batman villains. Tweedledum and Tweedledee were defeated by the real Batman who bowls them right into the other villains. And that is Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Mr. Polka Dot! The Polka Dot Man! Tweedledee and Tweedledum! Alright, so that is the Spotlight character. Let's get into our feature where we're going to talk about Superman Batman Apocalypse. Um, Alright, so I watched the copy, uh, the Blu ray version, which. It w- the movie itself wouldn't be any different, but when we talk about the special features, that's what will be the difference. Um, overall, um, the story was based off of Superman Batman's the Supergirl series, the Supergirl story arc from the Superman Batman uh, ongoing series uh, a couple years back. Now, overall, I thought the story was very very close to what was in the comics. There was only a very few minor differences. Um, I don't think the story was a bad story. Um, I think they did a good job with the animation. I think they did a good job with the voices. Um, Overall, it was a pretty okay film. Now, I'll get into some things I didn't like in a little bit, but uh, let's hear about what you guys liked. Um, well, what I enjoyed about it was I thought Supergirl, in, in some points, I thought was dealt with very well. Um, there were some parts of her character I really liked. I really enjoyed, actually, one of the things that surprised me the most was um, Wonder Woman's involvement. I, I knew she would probably appear, but she was in the film a lot more than I expected. And, uh, so much so that I thought maybe she deserved to be on the uh, front of the you know, the poster on the front of the film. But, um, so I really enjoyed Wonder Woman. I'm glad the whole, um, Amazonian culture, we we saw plenty of that. I thought Superman and Batman had pretty good interaction together. Um, and I thought Darkseid, uh, had some good moments and some bad ones too, which I'll get into. But as, as a villain, I thought his voice was fairly good. It wasn't quite as good as the one I remember from the Superman, the animated series. I wish they'd got, that guy back but um 
Darkseid was portrayed fairly well. Um, he seemed very menacing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so in general, it was certainly better than Public Enemies. Um, but after Under the Red Hood, I just thought to myself that the character development was certainly lacking in some areas, and it certainly was a was not up to that level. I was mostly annoyed with the movie. Um, the voice talent was good. Um, I was particularly um, Granny Goodness, which I think Ed Asner has done that voice before, but that was a really good one. Um, and Summer Glau as Supergirl was a good choice. Um, but uh, the animation kind of bothered me in a few places. They seem to be really good at animating and choreographing the fights, but the talking head type scenes were not, I don't know, I feel like they were lacking in um, animation skill or something. I'm not really sure what was off, but it bothered me. And um, uh, I did like kind of most of the choices that they made um, to, you know, edit it into a movie, changing the story um, in little places. I the part at the end um, where Darkseid comes back and Supergirl sends him off to space seemed like a strange um, uh, last act to tack on. And it somehow, I mean, I thought it was okay in the comic book, but in the movie it just seemed like, okay, the movie's over now, but wait, there's more, which was odd. Um... And so, yeah, I don't know. Kind of seemed like it was half-hearted or something. I didn't like it very much. Okay. The things I wasn't very keen on was, like, I don't, I just don't think that this movie in general was a good movie to pick. Um, or this, this, uh, this source material was a good, good thing to translate into a movie. This would work just fine as a... You know, a couple episodes of an animated series, which there isn't an animated series that they could have done this in, but I'm just getting, I guess, really tired of these different stories that they're trying to tell turn into uh, something that feels like it's not really a movie. It was not supposed to be a movie. It's just something that they weren't able to do when there was an animated series on. I, I, and I say that, and I'm not saying that because I think it was a horrible movie. I, I don't think it was a bad movie. I just don't think that the story was really worth telling in a movie form. Um, I think that there's a thousand other things that they could have made into a movie instead of doing this specifically, and it would have been a lot more interesting. Uh, another issue I had was the voice of Darkseid, which was played by uh, Andre Bauer, I believe is how you say it. Um I don't really think he did that great of a job. I had absolutely no issues with anybody else that uh, that had you know that did any voice acting on the on the film. But I get that uh, Dark Side's supposed to be emotionless. This was not really emotionless. It was he had an emotion, but it was I don't care about anything. But he did care. 
he didn't even show any signs of anger when you know he was fighting or when he was doing that in it through his voice and I found that kind of annoying um besides that there really wasn't anything else that I would complain about except for the one there was a scene in the movie where Clark Kent is bringing Supergirl around Metropolis, telling her what to do, or showing her how, what it is to be an Earth Girl. And he explains to her that being an Earth Girl is shopping and eating hot dogs. And I'm not a female, and but I at the same time I don't I don't think females that's all they do is shop and eat hot dogs. So yeah, I also thought that was. I just thought that was quite... I, I haven't read the comic story, so I'll have to admit that from the start. But if that is in there, I'd have to criticise that too, just because I think it is offensive to women. Um, and, I, you know, it's a case of, let me show you what life is like. <laughs> okay, look, let's go to the mall, buy some clothes, and, and that, that's life. That's what we do on this planet. Very, it's very odd. And I can't believe that, you know, a, a writer would seriously think he can get away with that. But anyway, yeah, so that was a weak part. Other parts that I wasn't too keen on um, were that, again, I'm still not sure where they're targeting these films for because in this film, I think it was a prerequisite. You had to know what Apocalypse was, um, who Granny Goodness was and those um, assassin people that she has. And I'm not, you know, I'm aware of them. I certainly don't know a lot about them. I saw a bit of them in the Superman animated series. That's the only reason I know of them. But, you know, if you weren't aware of that sort of stuff, as well as Wonder Woman and her Amazon island, you know, I mean, we know about this stuff, but, you know, a, a, a layman in the comic world wouldn't know that. And I think you can get people very confused with this sort of stuff. You know, I don't think Darkseid is quite as well known as some people think he is outside of the comic book readers. Um, but um, anyway, so so things like just transporting to Apocalypse, that they, they expect your audience to know that, and that's fine. You know, a fair few of their audience do know that. But um, if you don't, you're going to struggle a little bit with this film. Um, other parts, um, I really didn't enjoy. Well, I'd have to disagree with Dustin on the the dark side voice. I thought he was, I, I thought he was acceptable, fairly good, um, but. Some of the fight scenes with Darkseid and, and some of the other just more general f- fight scenes were far too long, really long. As in, it got to a point, you know, it starts, I'm going, wow, this is quite an exciting fight. Five minutes later, I'm going, wow, this is still going on. I'm getting bored of this. When are we going to move on? And um, those fights, I don't know if it's because they wanted to drag out the, the, the length of the film. I don't know, but... I was. I think I saw an interview with the director who was saying it's tough to fit all of the story into these films. But it certainly is if you spend half the film doing the fight scenes. So that was something that I had issues with. Um, but I don't want to have a big go at it because, like Dustin, I thought it was a okay to good film. Um, certainly worth checking out if you're a fan of these sort of characters. It's just certainly better than Public Enemies, but I think it's because of the great Under the Red Hood, which I thought was excellent. I think my the bar has been raised a bit, and this was below the bar. So th- those were some of the issues I had. Okay, so... <clears throat> sorry. On the subject of the long fight scenes, 
I would completely agree with you on them being way too long. Um, but that was, as I said before, it seemed like the animators liked doing that the best. So I think maybe that was what was up because I, I think the, um, the animation was much better in those instances. Um, also on specific scenes like the shopping scene, that was so infuriating. It, they did that thing that I hate, which is let's remind everyone every few minutes that the main character is a woman in case you forgot, which is just uh, annoying and uh, infantile. Well, well, real quick, they, they exaggerated that and that was not in the comics. No, in no. the comics, there's exactly two panels talking about shopping. Yes. They show her with a shopping bag and Clark Kent saying, well, you got the, the shopping part of being an earth girl down. That's all they say. And then they do, there's like four panels about the stupid hot dog. So they obviously exaggerated the shopping well more than they needed to. But I got to say, in the comic, they did also show her thong sticking out of her pants the entire (laughs) time. So at least they didn't do that in the film. I was going to comment on that, but I wasn't sure if we were wanting to bring it up. But yeah, they did. um, And I'm pretty sure they toned down her um, apocalypse costume, too. Um if I remember right from the comic book. But anyway, um, it seemed like they did a little bit more of the annoying, oh, hey, I'm a girl thing in the movie. Um, Also, there was a scene where Superman seems to punch Flame. And on Apocalypse, he's being hit with a flamethrower tank thing. And he punches it. And that seems to be an effective defensive strategy. So that was annoying. Um, also, they did they kept doing these weird detail shots. Like, they spent a good ten seconds focused on the hot dog scene, the person putting the mustard on the hot dogs, and, like, almost a minute of exposition of... Um, Barda's neighborhood, which I thought were just oddly out of place. Um, so I, I guess that's just a timing issue. It was just a very strangely timed story blocking. Um, I forgot what else I was going to complain about, but I guess that's probably enough. I think that uh, the 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 big thing for me was... It was just, there were certain parts, like everybody said, about the fight scenes being exaggerated longer than they needed to. I didn't like the, the, the shopping scene. And I said I had the issue with uh, Darkseid's voice. Now, but like I keep, it makes it seem like we're, we're nitpicking and we're trying to like find errors, but it's really not like that because I don't think it was a bad movie. Uh, overall, I would give the movie three and a half out of five uh, batterings. Now, Superman, Batman, and Public Enemies was horrible in comparison to this film. Uh, and I, I did say the same thing about how Superman, Batman, Public Enemies could have easily been broken up and made into, you know, the episodes of an animated series as well. But that was a completely different situation. Like, this this film, 
it worked. It just it, the story didn't seem like important enough to really get across in a movie. That's the only thing. It was a little bit predictable as well. Um, I think just you know, Super Supergirl's a hero. Darkseid's turned her against uh, Batman and Superman. Think we know where this is going to go. Think we know Supergirl's going to come back to our side. Um, so it was a tad predictable from that aspect. Um, I've, I've forgotten to mention, I think all of us have forgotten to mention, that I, th- I think Kevin Conroy did a very good job again. I think Tim Daly did a better job than he has done in the previous film. Um, and I thought their interaction was pretty good. I, I mean, it was pretty good in Public Enemies, but I thought they built on that, and I think that improved. Um, one other problem that I think I have is just that I always prefer things, certainly involving Batman, to be a little bit more grounded. Um, that's just me. And so when cosmic stuff gets involved, it I, I wouldn't say I go straight off it. I certainly give it a chance, but it doesn't appeal to me as much as something that's a bit simpler. So when I had Batman flying around on, on a jetpack being chased by you know, strange things on the planet of Apocalypse, it starts to... to I slowly start to lose interest. But, um, but there were certainly, as Dustin said, plenty of good moments, um, a lot of positives, but there were a few, just a couple of negatives, but they were quite glaring and they really stood out to me. Um, but for those positives, I will give it. I would give it three out of five. And and as I said, I think Wonder Woman really impressed me in this film. It's the first animated film since her her own film that's that she stood out to me as something that's impressive. And and I was just having not read the book, I wasn't sure. I wasn't even aware she was going to turn up. So um, that really uh, that really boosted the film up its rating for me. So three out of five for me. Yeah, I did. Um, forget to mention that the um, the interaction between the Trinity, I guess, was really good. Wonder Woman was great. Superman was good. Batman was great. It was Kevin Conroy, so that was sort of a given. Um, so that part was good. And Big Barda was really good, too. Um, whoever did... I forget who did the voice for her, but um, she was a good pretty well-developed character, even though she didn't have very much screen time. Um, so that, those were some good parts. Um, but overall, a lot of things about this movie bothered me, and I think I can only give it um, two and a half out of five batterings. Um, also, strange title that they chose which I don't think we've mentioned yet. It was, in fact, a strange title, mostly because, well, for two reasons. One, going back to uh, your comment, Nick, about, well, you had to you know, know a certain amount of things about, you know, a certain back background about some of these things because they just kind of made some of these things pop up. I found myself uh, trying to explain who the theories were at a point uh, to my wife when we were watching the film because they didn't even go over it. It was just, oh, there's these chicks and they kill people. But nobody knew what what the deal was, what was going on. Did they, so did they even say the word Furies? I can't remember. I, I don't even think they did that. They might, um, I think they said Dark Side's Honor Guard over and over again, which confused me, even though I've read the comic book. But, yeah, I don't think they said Furies at all. Yeah, so besides that... On top of, on top of that, 
you know, it was a good interpretation of what the comic was. But the thing is, there was bits that they left out from the comic, and then there was bits that they enhanced from the comic that they didn't need to, like the shopping scene. They did not need to expand that. But in the comic, they did talk about who the Furies were and at least give them the names and say what their history was instead of these people work for Darkseid and they kill people. I just remembered that we had an ex-Fury in this film who came back to Apocalypse to fight her old uh, fellow warriors. I didn't know this character, and when they first introduced her, it took me ages to figure out who she was and um, what was going on here, why they were talking to her. And there was no introduction. It was a case of, you really have to know this person, and and I didn't. And so it got a bit tricky. Um, And you obviously, I didn't really care about her either, because I didn't know her background. I didn't didn't know if she was a goodie or a baddie. I didn't really know what was going on. I just, I've just remembered that moment, and that was one that confused me as well. Yeah, so the other thing that I, I, I just want to bring up was the, you know, a couple months ago, it was more than a couple months ago, but earlier this year we talked about some news about how strong female characters having leads in the animated films was not very likely in the future because of the poor sales of Wonder Woman and just in general, and the whole the reason why we talked about it was because of the talk of Batgirl Year One being canceled. Um, I've got to say, this movie kind of atones for any thoughts that they ha- they don't want to you work with uh, female characters. We had Wonder Woman, uh, we had Big Barda, who both played pretty significant supporting roles. Uh, Supergirl was front and center as one of the main characters of the film. And then on top of that, we had all of the Furies, which were all strong female characters who, at a point, were you know beating the heck out of uh, you know men. So, I I I thought it was kind of a, I guess a, a justice per se, but at the same time, it had nothing to do with the the whole fallout of the Batgirl Year One stuff because it was irrelevant because they already were making this movie and they already knew what they were doing, but. Like we said earlier, Wonder Woman was portrayed a lot better than she was any time before. I think even in her own movie, she was portrayed better in this movie. So maybe maybe that'll give uh, some of the female characters a boost just based on what goes on in this film. I hope so. I mean, apart from the shopping scene, I thought Supergirl was a fairly good character, one that... Um was easy to relate to and one that you could sympathize with and one that you just um generally enjoy spending time with i really liked her interactions with superman and i liked her sort of defying batman who had serious doubts about her from the start um so i I thought she did fairly well in in a film that could she could have easily been you know overpowered by superman batman and dark side and wonder woman I think she could have easily been overpowered by all those characters, but um, they did a good job of bringing her to the front, making her likable, and yeah, I, I think it's a good sign of, of things to come. As I mean, that Batgirl film, Batgirl Year One, is something I'd really like to see, and I think Superman Batman Apocalypse is is encouraging for something like that to possibly get recommissioned. I hope it is. I don't know how. I'm. I don't know what this movie means in the market. Um, because I guess that's what matters because the Wonder Woman, um, issue was sales, 
but um yeah there were um they did a good job of pretty good character development in this movie for the most part so um and that's really all it comes down to when people talk about strong female characters just write a good movie with good characters and you don't have to worry about it because then you start overcompensating and then you run into the problems that the Wonder Woman movie had. But that's a whole other thing. So, I, yeah, it could be a good sign, and I hope it is. Not like that other city where Grumpy Ass lives. Grumpy Ass isn't so bad once you get to know him. What's his problem, anyway? He just wants you to take things a little slower. Adapting to a new culture, any culture, can be difficult. Is that why you wear those eyeglasses? As a way of adapting? Even though you can see better than anyone on the planet? It's a way for those of us who are heroes to have lives without the cape. It's important to keep our identities a secret. That's why Mr. Friendly never takes off his lead-lined cowl. You noticed the lead. I didn't know your x-ray vision had kicked in. You didn't ask. All right, so with that being said... It's going to wrap up our talk about Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, and the podcast. So, as always, you can uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can join the forums and become a member. And if you're having troubles, you can always send us an email and let us know what the problem is in getting your account activated. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow all the daily news for everything that we talk about here on the podcast on the website, thebatmanuniverse.net. And, of course, you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net with any questions, comments, or concerns about future or past episodes. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Nick. This is Savannah. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Until next time. Thanks, everybody.